When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street podcast, a podcast by the fans for the fans. I'm your host, Ian Kroll. Absolutely loads to talk about on today's show, so we'll work our way through quite quick. Uh, The show's early this week with lots to talk about, so it should take us all the way through the next Sunday with our next show also being next Monday the 24th. On today's agenda we're going to look back at the West Ham game, we will preview the Arsenal game, we will react to the Premier League's investigation into Everton's appointment of Marco Silva, are we worried? There'll also be some reaction to Wayne Rooney's recent interview where he talked about being forced out of the club. My guest today, there's two of them and keeping his place in the team after a stellar performance on last week's show. It's Tom Clark. Nice one. You okay, Tom? Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, get to, ready to get a big moan out. Good, good. That's what we want. Um, and my second guest is the host of the Echoes Everton post-game podcast show. He's also a top blue. It's Paul Wheelock. Hi, mate. You okay? Yeah, not bad. Uh, Paul, before we go on, um, do you want to just tell us everything that PM Everton fans can expect? Um, in the post-game pods and what what listeners can expect? Yeah, we, we gave it a bit of a test run, didn't we, yesterday uh, for the first game. Typical Everton to, to let us down and lose to West Ham. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a, a, bit of a test for us. We've, we'll have Phil Kirkbride talking after every game, our Everton FC correspondent, and we'll also have one interview or some audio from a fan. Ian, you kicked us off yesterday, and we're also hoping to get a... The manager's Silver's audio on there from his press conference as well. So it's it's basically like a view from the press box, a view from the stands, and a view from the dugout. And we're aiming to do it after every Everton game, home and away, league and cup competitions. It'll be a quick, bite-sized show, but you know, hopefully, it'll be something to listen to on the way home. So that's state after the game where it's quite raw, and you know, people are uh, commenting on what's just happened. Yeah, yeah, we, we do it for Liverpool, so it's only right that we do it for Everton as well. Absolutely. Uh, remember, if you like listening um, to us, even if you don't like listening to us, um, and you just like listening to us talk all, t- all kinds of crap, <laughs> um, just subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, as well as the Acast app by searching Royal Blue. Uh, there you will find the fan podcast, View from the Gladys Street, as well as the post-game podcast episodes there. Uh, right, introductions out the way. Tom, we'll start with you. How bad was Sunday afternoon? Absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> it, was, it, it wasn't great at all. Um, all over the pitch. It's not even like I can pick out one or two players. Um, I think possibly the fullbacks performed well, but no one else really at all. Um, it was all over the park. It was terrible. Even our better players, who really we can rely on usually, like I think people like Jordan Pickford, things like that. It's just it just all came to bits, didn't it? Really, it was terrible. Um, very inexperienced defence. Um, just leaking goals, absolutely leaking goals. Um, I think the average age of the defence was 22 and a half, and there was no authority in there whatsoever, and it just showed, it properly showed, and uh, it's just it's not good to see. Paul, what is it with Everton and, you know, gifting teams, um, points, goals, anything, when they need it the most? It's not 
we were saying before we pressed record, this is not just like a one-off example. It's year after year after year. You almost become like conditioned to it as an Evertonian, don't yeah. you? That if your team is struggling, come to Goodison. If you're looking for your first goal, come to Goodison. If you've not scored in 15 games, come to Goodison. Exactly. It was like, it's it's just every year. And I think like... If it's your 65th birthday, man, well, probably get in, come to Goodison. Yeah, <laughs> have a good birthday on us. It's just, we're just so obliging, aren't we? And it's I don't think sometimes yesterday... You could tell the atmosphere was getting a bit tetchy. I don't think we ever got on the backs of the players at all, but you could tell it was getting tetchy. And it's it's not... I know it's early in the season. It's only the first defeat of the season. But we've just been having this for so many years, haven't we? It doesn't matter what managers are, what players they are. We always seem to, to give struggling teams the points they want. And it was just yesterday. It just... As, as Tom said, there's just very, very few positives you can take from it. Tom, you know, we've started off relatively well, positive, solid, maybe, maybe not great. Um, you know, the draw against uh, Wolves and then the, the win against Southampton, and then we've had the, the two disappointing um, draws. Has there been signs in any of those games that, you know, Sunday's result was going to happen? Um, I think, the fact, I thought we just unlucky, to be honest, in the previous games. I thought, like, Soon enough, it'll all come together when these players come back from an injury and stuff. And to be fair, the new signs who played yesterday um, looked all right. But it's just, I, th- I didn't think we completely collapsed like that against West Ham at home. That was a game, that, that was not to say a must win at this point of the season, but if we can't be winning that, we've got to be thinking about ourselves really and where we're going to go. And uh, we, can't, we can't be getting on the backs of the manager already in that, but that was crazy. I, I just didn't see it coming, to be honest. Um, I thought a draw at worst, but I, I just didn't see that, that coming at all. Paul, we started off relatively well, didn't we? You know, I'm a, when I say well, you know, we were in the ascendancy, we, we were positive, we, we kept hold of the ball, and then as soon as we lost the ball, West Ham scored. Yeah, it, I thought the first 10 minutes, I turned around to my dad and said, we might get a few goals here today, we look up for it, and I'd say the, the goal, as it so often does, change the game, but, you know, on this podcast, the ones I've been on, the ones I've listened to, we've all been talking about set pieces, and, and that wasn't the problem on Sunday. We were just so wide open, and I know you were talking with Tom then about had we seen it coming, and I don't think we'd seen yesterday's performance coming, but there, there have been a couple of times, particularly Bournemouth away in Southampton at home, where I felt like we've been exposed, you yeah. know, in midfield and at the back. I know I think Bournemouth had a couple of one-on-ones, and Southampton had a couple of good posi- uh, good positions in that game to, to do something which they didn't do. And there were a couple of times, the fellas and, you know, the women around me at the game, we were saying... It's great playing like this and going forward, but you know a good team could rip us apart being this high and with the fullbacks pushed up so much. And they're not a good team, West Ham at all. But they had a couple of good players yesterday, and and that I know it's early days and certainly not getting on the manager's back. But there were worrying signs yesterday. What a team like Arsenal, you know, with the players they've got, could do to us. Let's analyse the first goal then, because you know you don't want to point blame at at, at individuals, but. what what went wrong for the first goal? Then we we obviously we lost possession of the ball. Maybe a silly pass from a uh, guy. Uh, Tolson couldn't hold the ball up, and then straight away we just they just cut through us. Yeah, it, I, I think you you said something today, haven't you, on Twitter lately about guy like he's got a bit of he's got been been a bit slagged off for his performances because I think he was being ambitious with some of his passes. But to be fair to him, my bugbear yesterday was, uh, many bugbears was Sigurdsson. I just don't think he got on the ball too much. I thought he was far too high yeah. until the injury, uh, until Snidling went off and he went deeper. But I felt he should have been the one who's dropping deeper and playing those balls. And I think Guy almost became like the creative force. And that's not him, is it? Mm. And yeah, you're right. Tosin didn't hold it up. Guy gave it away. And then before you know it, it's in the back of the net. But we just looked, as I said earlier, we just looked far too open. 
Absolutely, Tom. You obviously saw the goal. Like, what, what did you think as soon as you've seen any of the replays? There was so many gaps in our defence all the time. Like Not even for the goals, for other chances as well that they, um, they missed. I know they didn't have too many chances in the game, but they just seemed to be every time they could get through, every time there was never any solid um, defence. It was always getting through every single time. So was that, is that the, sorry, is that the defence though, or was that no protection from the midfield for the defence? Um, I think usually Slider do a good job in filling those gaps, maybe like between the centre backs and things like that, and just like and especially when we started with two defensive midfielders, you would have thought there wouldn't be gaps like that, but there really was, and. Um, Obviously, Schneiderlin's head wasn't in the right place and he didn't have the best performance and uh, Gay just didn't have a good day. But um, they definitely the defence were less exposed by the midfield and then with a very ex- inexperienced defence, as I've said, it's just he couldn't handle it and there was leaving gaps all over the place and it was terrible. Is it an easy opinion or an easy option to blame Mason Holgate for... I mean, he, he was obviously... Whether, whether he was out of his death may be a bit harsh, but he was definitely bullied by you know West Ham's strikers. Well, I, I just feel that you know, our midfield, this is guy included because I did defend him on Twitter, as Paul mentioned, just didn't offer our defence any protection whatsoever. But then that's, that's not individual, that, that stems down to Silva's setup and what he wants the players to actually do You know, when we haven't got possession or when we, when we lose possession because it's all well and good pressing off the pitch, but you know, when you're leaving gaps behind... You know, you just—it's suicide, isn't it? Yeah, it's terrible. It's literally that's what he's there for as well—to to fill those gaps and to make sure those balls don't get through. Usually, Gay is known for just breaking up those gaps and like, like uh, breaking up the play and just um, just running around, being tenacious and getting getting himself in there, cutting out these balls. He's uh, he's tough at interceptions, and now he's up there with Kante for interceptions and stuff like that. And he just—he wasn't himself at all. He had a really um, difficult game um, and it really showed it showed as well the influence he normally has and what would happen without him at his best and uh, I thought that's that's exactly the problem that the young defence were left completely exposed and um, I thought Holgate had a bad game as well but you can't completely pin it on him because a lot, a lo- um, a lot of the players did and um, he had a difficult game himself but obviously the people around him he didn't have much support around him so you can't really pin it on him but he did have a poor game Paul, where does Snyderland fit into that then? Because, you know, Paul mentioned, um, sorry, Tom mentioned that he didn't have a, a great game and he gave the ball away. He mentioned that uh, a couple of times now. But, you know, is it is it not Guy's job just to to sit, break play up, you know, be disruptive and then pass it on to players like Sigurdsson, Snyderland, players on the wing, you know, keeping it simple and playing those, you know, five, ten-yard passes and just, just holding in front of, in front of the defence? Because I, for me... That that's guy's job, but where does where does Snarland fit into that? Because he's playing alongside him. Do we even need, you know, again, it's another debate. Do we even need another defensive midfielder sitting alongside guy? I, I think what we're definitely lacking is a, a top quality centre midfielder. You know, like someone who can do a bit of both, really. And I think we've been that way for a long, long time. Uh, Snydlin, as we were saying a little earlier, his performance you can you can wipe off yesterday because what he's obviously gone through with losing his uh, his dad, you know, that's far more important. And fair play for having actually having a go to play. Maybe his head was right, maybe it wasn't, but he came off. Again, guy, and I, I'm, I'm going to go back to it. Like, I personally thought, even though he scored yesterday, I thought the one of the players that went missing was Sigurdsson. I know he works very hard, yeah. and I'm a big fan of his, by the way. I'm, I think one of the last podcasts I was on, I was, was praising how well he'd started the season. But yesterday, I just thought he should have come for the ball more. Yeah. Don't let Guy be that person 34, 35 yards from goal trying to play those through balls. Come deeper, get it off, Guy, and you start orchestrating the play. Because... 
at the end of the day, he is £45 million and he is our main creative force, I'd probably argue, certainly centrally. And I know it looks like Silva wants to play wide, but after about 10 minutes yesterday, they, they caught on onto that, didn't they? You know, Kenny and Walcott, they started doubling up on Walcott and we had to go through the middle and I know that's maybe not the way, you know, Silva wants to play, but I just expected more from him yesterday. So, Snyder I let off. Guy had a bad game, but I, I was more disappointed in Sigurdsson. Did you did you see any improvement then when he when he dropped deep when we made the substitution before half time? Yeah, yeah, I suppose he did because we were slagging him off, and then he scored the header. You know, so yeah, he definitely did. But you know, I, I just I'm just trying to look for more from our big players, and yeah. I thought yesterday he was one of a, of a number who just didn't who didn't perform. Uh, I mean, Tom, I, I don't know what you think. You seem you were obviously saying Guy was a false Paul's saying Sigurdsson and I'm saying Snyland. I just don't <laughs> know. <it> all. <laughs> no, no. Obviously, the three the three midfielders who you, you need on the top of your game is basically the you know the, the spine of your team, the foundation. I obviously he's had personal issues, Snyland, so you can't be too harsh. But I still don't know what he offers this team other than because he's he's kind of doing the, the job what what Guy's doing, and I feel this is my opinion that Guy does it. 100 times better. Yeah, I think they're kind of bumping into each other at times in midfield and um, Silver expressed his desire to play a system where he had one number six and two uh, more attacking midfielders and I think I just can't wait to see that system come into play because they are almost bumping into each other. I think he's trying to he's trying to do that though but Snardland's not he's not that type of player. He's trying to do what Guy's doing. He's just he's fitting into that that role and it's not what Silver wants. I that's what I think anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it could be it could be like that. It could be um guy do it better on his own or even Andre Gomez when he comes back in. But uh, I I think he will probably lose his place in the side because he hasn't been doing the job. I'm not sure what Silver's been asking him to do like be, be doing, like whether he's meant to sit just in front of in front of Gay or just like level with him, but he is half bumping into him because it's it is all over the place at the moment. And I thought I think at the start of the season he's been much better than he was last season. obviously he was very poor last season. And he showed some signs of improvements and being all right. He's got his foot in a few times and that. Is that but just not the bare minimum now of what he should be doing? You know, he had a bad attitude last season. He says he didn't. He says it was you know down to form, which is fair enough. Whether you know you believe it if you want, but he's, you know, he's come back this season and he's got in. He's in Marco Silva's good books because he, he's playing. He's been injured, but is that just not we what we expect from? Every single player who steps on the foot of Goodison Park. Yeah, he has been. He's, he's just done the basics, hasn't he? Really, he's not. He's not excelled yet. We haven't seen him proper step up. Um, but he, he's just kind of done the job. Not to any. Not done anything special, really. But I, I do think he hasn't done enough to warrant that place in the side when we do have a fully fit squad. Yeah, it's a, it's a concern, isn't it? Though I mean, Paul. You know, at least when we were um, if we were conceding goals, at least we were we were scoring. Obviously, we did score yesterday, but it was a. Uh, it was, o- it was only one. Um, defensively, I know front now concerns because Tosin is obviously, you know, doesn't seem to be in form. He seems to be struggling for goals and form. Um, is it going to be as simple as just getting, you know, the brand new players in and just turning it around? As in, when I say the new players, Bernard, Mina and um, and Gomez, is that, is that all it takes? Well, I don't know. I don't know because we just... Mina's... Is he going to be answer to all our problems? Bernard definitely looked lively yesterday. Uh, Gomez, we don't know from what from what we told. He had a really bad time at Barcelona, but was very good at Valencia before that. That's pinning you a lot of hopes on a lot of these players, and I suppose that's what you do as a manager. You sign these players to improve your team, so we can only hope that. But at the same time, a big you can bring those in. You know, hopefully Gomez improves the midfield. Mina should certainly improve the defense. But it's up front. You know, unless you're going to play with Charleston up there. 
which could well be an option, it's up front. You know, we are definitely stuck with Calvert-Lewin, Nias and Tosin till January. And that's a concern because as bad as we were on, on Sunday, we could have won that game 5-3. Yeah. You know, I said to you before, then now you're the office there. Tosin had, could have had a hat-trick. Calvert-Lewin had a, a, an half chance in the first half where yeah. he, he just didn't control it when it came back off the keeper, I think. And Nias at the bar. But at the moment, you know, I know Calvert-Lewin's got a couple of goals in the Carling Cup, but I, I wouldn't back any of them to be our first choice stri- striker. Well, Tom, we've struggled, haven't we, since... I mean, I know this is going back a couple of years, but we've struggled ever since we sold Lukaku, haven't we? Yeah. You know, we've never, ever replaced Lukaku. The, the one, you know, position... OK, we, we've attempted to, to do that with Tosin because he was banging him in in Turkey and, you know, Allardyce bought him. Um, but he obviously... He doesn't seem like he's the, the right fit or the, the right calibre, quality of player that's going to, you know, take us forward. Yeah, um, he banged a few in like to, uh, at one point last season when he had a bit of form going. But uh, even Aldice, when he signed him at the time, said, "Oh, he's, he's the he's the kind of best we can get." Like um, for like position we're in, which is a pretty bad position to be honest. So I think um, in the where we want to be, we could have gone for someone better. But he kind of just half settled for him, like by what he said. But um, in January, it's always tough to buy people like players, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of an uns- unsettling period to buy players and stuff like that. But uh, it was an emergency, really, because we were very, very short of a striker. And, and uh, we pinned a lot of hopes on Tosin, and maybe that's weighing him down eventually. Like, it's come to the point where all our hopes are really on Tosin, and if he's not showing form, there's no other option. And that's a big problem, because we haven't got a proper backup for him. I know we started the season with um, Sandro and Nias there, and Silva said he has a few different options up front, but... Um, Nias shouldn't be an option anymore, and um, Sandro is obviously not because he's gone, gone away. But um, so all we are badly short up front all there. All due respect, and Nias, it's always you know you know it's desperation when you're throwing him on mm. to yeah. uh, to come on and get you the points. Aren't you? It, it, it may have worked last season a couple of times, but you know it was a tough ask for him to come on and score two, three goals to to get us something out of that game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and he he, he fluffed a couple of good chances as well. He just it just bubbles off his foot whenever it comes to him, and it's just there. Uh, it's just a bit of a disaster. I, I just thought, is he really the answer? Is that where, is that is that the quality of our coming off the bench to change a game? Is that is that really the the best we can do, kind of thing? Mm. But we do need the replacements up up front, and um, just looking forward to Richarlison coming back. But the thing is, when these players do come back, there's a big weight on the shoulders. Things like even when Gomez and Mina come in, there's a massive weight yeah. on the shoulders because we're doing pretty badly. Um, of recent anyway this weekend and they're going to come back in and massive things are going to be expected to them from them and that's what happened to the downfall of some players last season um, because they came in a difficult time and they obviously couldn't settle so I think that's, that could well happen again so I'm, I'm just hoping they'll come in and people will be patient with them because there is a massive expectation on the shoulders now Paul, you mentioned me tweet there so I'll make reference to it um, me Lukaku tweet which I put out bef- uh, before to start that um Lukaku is the, the second highest, or he has the second highest combined goals and assists in the Premier League since 2012. And as I mentioned, Everton sold him and didn't replace him. Is that just not our problem right there? If if Romelu Lukaku, despite our defensive issues, which obviously is a separate subject, but you know, if Romelu, Romelu Lukaku was in that Everton team yesterday, is that a completely different game? Unquestionably, he would have scored three yesterday with the chat. He would have scored three of the five. He used to bully teams, still does for United now, down the bottom like West Ham. I've got, I've got no doubt if Lukaku was still at Everton, Kuman would probably still be in charge because last season's a completely different picture. We've had all that money from his on from you know his transfer fee to United, and, we, and let's face it, certainly last season we wasted it all. Like you could probably, unfortunately, I'm like late thirties now, since. 
90 onwards since the last league title. It's very, we've had very few world-class players. And I'm not sure what Lukaku is at that very, very top, but he's knocking on the door. And I, I just remember that last season with the club, you know, when he put four past Bournemouth. And I remember just thinking, we best enjoy this fella while we can, because yeah. he, he was like watching like an Aguero kind of thing, you know, absolute destroy teams. And I just don't, I think it was always going to be really difficult to replace him. But it is pretty damning that, you know, 18 months on and we've only signed Tosin. Hmm. So, you know, of all that money, we've As only signed one striker. And I want striker, yeah. And, and to be fair, by the way, we talk about Tosin, like, and, and I'm down on him at the moment because I, I just think we'd be a different side if we would have had Arnautovic on Sunday. But 25 million these days is probably like seven and a half million, isn't it? Three, four years ago, yeah. you know, where it's it's almost like a bit of a gamble. I know that sounds terrible, hmm. but... You know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be too down on him because I really hope it does work because he does work hard, but it's just like night and day compared to so, Lukaku. It's almost like, not mirror, but very similar to, to Jelovic, isn't it? You know, had a great start with the with the club, you know, hit the ground running, and then he's kind of got his feet under, um, and now it's just like, it, there is a bit of a struggle there, isn't it? I, I, obviously, you, you want it to work out for him, um, but whether, whether it will... I, I don't know. Is Richarlison the answer? You know, would would we have lost that game yesterday if Richarlison was playing? Again, it's it's all hearsay, isn't it? It's, it's very difficult to to uh, to answer that question. But what about um, just re- re- Silver's reaction, Tom, in terms of after the game? He's but we 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 have to improve more, and this is a this is a big lesson. I you know, is he referring there to just the players, or is he referring to, to himself as well? Um, when he says we, it could be taken that he's preparing to himself as well. But um, obviously he's still settling in, so he's going to learn his lessons with the team. He's not uh, fully used to this team yet, so he's, he's he's learning stuff as he goes along. So I suppose that includes him as well. But I think he was mainly referring to the team um, and the, the mistakes he made, the individual mistakes in some cases, leading to goals. So um, I think those were the ones he was he was possibly referring to. But as I say, he's, he's still getting his feet on the table, and he's he's still getting used to um, just seeing how good these players actually are and. Um, whether they have a mistake in them and stuff, and like the young players as well, because there was obviously quite a few of them, especially in the back line. Um, what happens to them under pressure and stuff like that? Whether they can do this over mar- zonal mark and stuff, and um, obviously they, they, they struggle. Is he getting his team selections right at the moment, Paul? You know, just just examples. Again, I, I don't want to dwell too much on starting, but I just I don't know what he offers. But the Dominic Carvalho Lewin one, just a strange one to keep putting him on on the wings because he, he's clearly not. You're not a winger, is he? No, I, he's I, just so ineffective yesterday. I honestly think since he was played right wing back against Stoke, he's picked out wide just because he wins headers from goal kicks. Yeah. Honestly, like he's he's not a left winger. We can all tell that. You know, he's a striker. And to be fair, after his goals in the last few games, I thought there might be a shout of him actually starting up front Ahead on Sunday with Bernard. But maybe Bernard's not fully fit. And at the moment, you would have to say he would deserve his place in the team above Tosin. No, I, I don't think he is a left-winger. To, to be fair to Silva, I have some initial concerns the way he sets up. But at the same time, last year, season we were moaning and rightly moaning about the standard and style of football that we were, you know, Allardyce was treating us to, if that's the right word. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but it seems like we've gone the polar opposite now where, it, as you were saying earlier, it was an entertaining game yesterday to a neutral. It was end-to-end. But I just hope we've not gone to the, to the other extreme. Well, but we just keep going back and forth, don't we? Yeah. We, had, we had Martinez, who was kind of gung-ho, and we just couldn't stop conceding. Then, obviously, um, then Koeman, and then Allardyce was just one extreme. Yeah. And now we've gone back to, obviously, I don't want to say Martinez-esque, but 
you know, it's it, it's it's almost su- like a little bit of suicide the way he's setting up at the moment. Yeah, this, the only thing you've got to say we've got injuries, haven't we? You know, and to be completely fair to him, Richarlison, the one by who we've seen consistently, looks the business. Hopefully, he can continue that form on. We haven't seen those other players, but I hope there's not. It's not like a balance or a happy medium between defending and attacking, but. We've got to be careful because if if we're this open from set pieces and we're, we're that open to be hit on the counter attack, when we play a good team, we've got to be careful because you know we don't want a big beating because that would really knock the stuffing out the fan base. Because yesterday, like, I think it's fair to say, like it's it's just took the shine off a little bit, hasn't it? What what happens? I, I honestly think you mean for the whole just whole like the season? start the start no not the whole season but just the start, isn't it? Like I. I I know coming out of the game yesterday, a lot of people were just like, "Oh, typical Everton kind of thing," and whereas like even Huddersfield, you could it wasn't good, but you just felt okay. Well, they've done a number on us, but it just felt like yesterday it just felt like a step back. I honestly think though, with the games or the teams that we played in the first five fixtures, it's a, it's an actual it's a bad start to the season. Six points from fifteen, is it now that that we've got? Is that what it is? Um, and then it's like I said, it's not going to get any easier, is it? You know, Arsenal next, and then. Um, then Fulham is it after that? Yeah, and then Leicester. So you know, obviously, you know, you play everyone twice. Don't get me wrong, but I honestly feel like you said it's taking the shine off it, and it's it's not it's not a solid start. Now it's a bad start. I know you know United and all that have lost games, but and we've only lost one. But we could have been up there potentially. We could have been right up there. Um, Tom, <laughs> what? Why didn't we break the bank for Yarmolenko when we we had the opportunity? Like? Yeah, we had a couple of opportunities, didn't we? And there was there was all sorts of rumours going around about him, but. I was thinking you could say that about half of our uh, West Ham squad. Like, there's a, there's quite a few players we could have had there, but obviously he was the one who stood out. And um, we were saying earlier we should have put money on Yarmolenko to score. That was it. That was banged on. Mortgage, really. never mind money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> literally, like it's the same as Danny Ings a few weeks ago playing for Southampton. But literally, that that one was bound to happen. But for him to get two as well and and just absolutely terror our defence, it was it was it was horrible. But um, obviously he's a he's a high quality player, and uh, that, I think that fell through. Uh, it's a bit of a complex story, I think, but unfortunately it didn't happen. Um, obviously, we should we should have known his strengths. I know it's a completely different setup now, but we should have known and been aware of that and thought, and gone, he's a good player, we need to uh, need to look out for him, but he just walked through us. So mm-hmm. um, it's, it's unfortunate to see players like that who were so close coming to Everton doing well against us, but that, that's the way it goes, and uh, it was just unfortunate to see. Yeah, very unfortunate. Um, Paul, just, just want to talk about Mason Holgate individually for a minute. Um, obviously he had a, a torrid time, and yesterday. Um, but he, he has shown potential, hasn't he? So is it a case of him not being ready at the moment, or not being good enough at all? I think it's just not being ready. I I hadn't until we started talking about it. I didn't realise how young the defence was yesterday. I, I it just gone over me. And to be fair, that's a that's a big thing, you know. Yeah. And on Outovich on his day, and he's he's had a lot on his day recently, hasn't he? Certainly for West Ham. Yeah. He's a good player, and he bullied Holgate yesterday. And to, but to be fair, my worry about Holgate this season: a lot of like bigger forwards have bullied him a bit, haven't they? You yeah. know, they've, they've they've outstrengthed him. More from him, God, I just love to see him clear the header to an Everton player. Like that's just getting me at the moment. Like every header goes to one goes to the opposition player. But I like him. I think there's a player in there. Like most of our young players, I think there's they are good players. But it was almost. Like to back to last season, wasn't it? Where there was too many young players, certainly in the defence, which I, I say I hadn't thought about. No, I just think we cut. We need me in the back. 
uh, and maybe Keane back or just in or just it. <laughs> yeah yeah just play uh, oh Keane as well because I thought he was getting better before yeah. he got the head injury at Bournemouth I just think it's probably time to pull him out the firing line a bit Holgate but no I, I still think he's a good player I think he's a good young player yeah um, Tom the the challenge um, on Theo Walker by West Ham's is it Arthur Masuku is that how you pronounce his name oh, I'm having a clue I wouldn't want to try <laughs> <laughs> Masuku or something like that Um it was terrible, wasn't it? Really, when you when you look back at it, you know, when I first saw it, I just thought it was a high, you know, a high boot, <laughs> and he, he literally, you know, scrapes his studs right down Walcott's uh, leg. Is that <laughs> we're not getting the look in terms of like sending us off, Ivy? No. If that was an Everton player, he obviously would have been sent off, wouldn't yeah, he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the stuff that some some people, even Everton players, have been sent off for this season. That was ten times worse. So I, I was uh, I was doing the live commentary for uh, the Toffee Blues at the time, and I just thought, what can I say about that? Like, what did they actually <laughs> just do? Is he just kicked him in the head, stamped on his neck or something like that I in the air? He did everything that you've just said. There. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. It was some kind of kung fu move. Like I, I just don't know how he got away with it. And um, I think Mark Clattenberg was it um, afterwards. Um, Atkinson was it? Or um, the fourth official? No, yeah, afterwards in the uh, ref watch, oh, Sky Sports ref watch. He, uh, he looked back on it and said. Um, that that's got to be a red card. Um, Klassenberg said that. Bloody hell! <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's saying <laughs> must that. have been something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, surely it was a red card, and it was uh, it was in a position as well where um, we obviously we got a free kick uh, just outside the box, but that could have changed the game there if he would have got sent off. That, like I know it was late in the second half, but you could have possibly even t- turned the game around. So it's it's another one of them where we're being unlucky with refereeing decisions, as we've said plenty this season. Yeah, Paul. Then um, just. We'll finish off this part of the, the segment then just the final word on that game we've obviously played we've played five games so far um it seemed like it was going to be a promising start and we faltered slightly um is it too early to to be getting t- too angry with the players as well as the manager yeah definitely yeah it is it, it it's just as i said earlier it's just history of us doing that mm. you know like how many times have we done that over the years and it just gets you down like Everton get you down anyway don't yeah. we let's face it and it just it it's just so so textbook us to do that and it just feels like and it's Arsenal next as well isn't it I know it, which we'll come to no doubt and it just feels like yeah. if we lose next Sunday at the Emirates where are we going to be in the table well, 14th exactly, 15th exactly. and it, it, <laughs> But it's early, as someone a red said to me outside today, we like we were talking because obviously they did brilliantly to win at Tottenham on Saturday, and I said, "Oh, we had it bad on Sunday yesterday." And he said, "Like to be fair, it's Silver's first defeat, and you got to keep that into to context, haven't you?" And he's he's got a lot of injuries. There's a lot of new players to come into the team, so probably not time to panic. But it was just worrying signs. That's all. Tom, final word on West Ham. Um. I agree with Paul there, eh? P- pretty much. Eh? There's there's still a lot to come, and he obviously still getting his feet under the table. But it, it was it was very concerning. Um, I think you've got to get a couple of elder players in that defence. I think that was that was terrible, especially with last season. I think um, we had Williams and Jagielka in there, and the average age was 33, and it went down to 22. Um, and that's, that's massive blows to go from that to that in one one season. It's it's terrible, and uh, there was no authority there whatsoever. But hopefully that will come with. Um, with some of the other players coming back in. Yeah. I was just open on the silver, like me personally, that, you know, Everton always, you know, get one game a season where they're either humiliated, whether it's like a 5 0 or a 5 1, or they'll, they'll get beat by a team who are struggling, like we have just done. And I thought, under silver, you know, I don't know what evidence there was to suggest that. I was, it was more in hope than anything that that was just going to be abolished. And it, it's just not. It's just, again, 
it's just typical Everton, isn't it? <laughs> just like, well, we maybe expected, you know, to not struggle against West Ham, but West Ham to put up a good fight. And we, we didn't even do that. We just just rolled over and we just we just let them let them get in. I was just really frustrated. Um, we'll quickly move on then because we'll get down. I want to slit our, <laughs> our wrists and slit our throats. And I don't advocate that at all. <laughs> um, to be honest, <laughs> my next segment is not much, not much shapier. It's not much happier at all. Um, just one question on this. Um, are we worried about the Premier League's investigation into Everton's appointment to Marco Silva? You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street podcast. Uh, no, in the respect that I was driving me, I think we must, might, might have been coming to work, and it was I was listening to Talk Sport, and he said, like, do you know, doing the news headlines, and he said, Everton under investigation. I thought, so I'm going to have to keep this on now, and then... <laughs> Got into work, read this story. I think it was one of the like broadsheets, wasn't it? Telegraph or someone like that. And I read it all. And then at the end, the last paragraph was something like, "It's understood that it it will be settled by a, a big compensation fee. Like if if we have done anything wrong, you know, yeah, we have to pay the price for it, don't we? It's just it just feels a bit rich because a lot of this goes on in football all of the time. You know, mm. players are tapped up, managers are tapped up. You know. They use go-betweens to get to these people, and it. But you know what, Watford, if they've got proof, they're within the right to do it, and we will pay a fine. I can't imagine it'll go to points deduction or anything like that. I just think uh, it'll cost Machiri more money. It'd just be typical Everton, Tom, won't it? That we just made an example of over over this situation, won't it? Every time, actually, we're always on the end of bad luck. But um, I remember a story coming out in the summer of Marco Silva saying, um, "Well, I've got proof that um, Watford spoke to me while I was at Hull." Or something like that, like to kind of yeah, um, just shut up, Marco. Making him worse. But it, it literally does happen all the time. It's one of them. Where it, it's stupid. This is dragged out so long, to be honest. Because I think Everton uh, offered a compensation earlier on, and Watford rejected it, and carried on complaining. So he uh, took us to the Premier League, and then there's been obviously I don't think there's going to be a points deduction. There's been talk of that, but that's not going to happen because um, Premier League starts out by just saying, "Oh, it's just kind of a squabble." get together and sort it out yourselves and um, we couldn't so it's come to this where it's gone under investigation but it's it's not serious because it was just a squabble and um, whether there's going to be compensation or not um, it's stupid that it's gone on this far if we, if we pay compensation or does that not make us look slightly guilty in terms of I mean I know you know clubs are paid compensation all the time and they just it's just brushed underneath the carpet this seems a bit quite high profile one doesn't it you know obviously don't want to fight it too much, but if you've done nothing wrong, then you've done nothing wrong, have you? No, the proof will be in the pudding, won't it? I've seen that they want phone records and stuff like that, so it sounds like it's going to go far. But I, looking at it from Watford's point of view, it doesn't, you know, he had a great start. We went in for him, it fell apart, he left, and then he joined Everton, you know, without paying compensation. I can understand from their point of view why they're doing it, but as Tom said, then it just always seems to be us, doesn't it? This kind of stuff seems to go on a lot. But it seems like we could be the only club who uh, who get made an example of. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is what I read. So it's going to run and run because it's going to conclude around Christmas time or December time. So um, unless something comes out soon and you know um, something changes, uh, all right. Then that we'll we'll move on then to um, a former Everton player, Wayne Rooney, who's uh, who's claimed in a latest interview that he was you know practically forced out of the club by Farad Mashiri. Um Says basically it was the owner's decision for. For Rooney to leave, what do we make of that, Tom? 
Yeah, he's pretty much pinned it on Mashiri individually. I think at first he, he blamed the club and he said, oh, uh, the club have forced me out, but now he's made it more specific and said it was Mashiri who forced me out. And um, he actually gave examples. He said he went to Sam Allardyce and said, um, what's going on? And he said, um, I think he said, you're not going to get much playing time under me, but I want to keep you. Um, but the owner might not might not want to, so try and get an answer out of him. And uh, he said he tried three months to get an answer out of him and he didn't get anything. So obviously there's, there's still some bitterness there from Rooney towards Everton and it was ended on ill-feeling Ilf- as it was in the first time when he left, But um, which is unfortunate. But um, he's obviously bitter about him leaving and he, uh, maybe he wants to stay around a little bit longer on them wages. Um, but obviously our priority was to cut down that wage bill and Rooney was the one to go, the first one to go if he wanted to do that. So... Um, it had to happen, really, and Mashiri's a businessman, and that was the obvious business move, so fair play to Mashiri for doing it. I mean, Paul, we, we've kind of done this to death anyway on Rooney in terms of you know when he left, but we've got a bit of evidence now to suggest that you know a player of, of Rooney maybe found, could have found a, a space in Everton's team, whether it's on the bench, whether it was in the first 11. I know Rooney wanted to wanted guarantees that he, guarantees that he was going to get you know a decent amount of playing time, but... You know, surely you would have fitted into Everton's midfield, or you know, as a striker, or if you know, Tosin's struggling. Surely Wayne Rooney was a better option to bring on than Umani Yas. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought he was probably one of the better players last season, which probably doesn't say too much. Like, but he provided some of the main highlights of last season: the hat trick and goal against West Ham, the Stoke. That was a nice story, wasn't it? The the derby equaliser. But I don't. I I have sympathy for him because I've read his comments. Uh, before because I, I just it just passed over me for whatever reason but yeah, I, I read them before knowing that we we're going to talk about them and to be fair he's, he's right you know you know it's clear the club have won and moved on but he can't moan too much because he did exactly the same all those years ago to United yeah. you know he, he, he it was our turn as a club to move him on and back then it was his turn to, to move on and go to United so you know both players in the club have, have, it's just different times isn't it really you know but yeah I agree I think he would be an option, a better option than what we've got now, but at the same time, it just felt like it had, we had to move on. And to, if it means bringing more players in, which we have done and saved a lot of money on his wages, I thought it was just the right time. I just I couldn't see it getting any better with him being there. And like you know, at least we've got a few memories from last season that that, that at least he came back and he did okay. Yeah, I mean, like I say, we've done it to death. I just wanted to see since you know a few poor results, um, and obviously he's, he's banging them in in, in the MLS. Yeah. Don't know whether opinions um, may have changed since then. So I always wanted to ask that, Tom. You know, would you have had them? Um, them? I fully expect them to go to the MLS and bang them in. To be honest, yeah. though, that that's his kind of standard at the moment, and um, that's his kind of pace of game. But um, it was time for him to move on, especially with the dynamic football Silver was trying to introduce. Um, I think he said, um, Rooney said in the, in those comments that it was already decided before Silver came to the club that he what he he wants to move him on which is interesting, but it definitely was time for him to go. It was uh, one season back for sentimental reasons and commercial reasons a bit, little bit as well, maybe. But, um, yeah, it's it's a new, new era, so time for him to go. Cool. All right, well, we'll move on to the um, the final section of the podcast then. Something that's not going to make anything or us any, any happier. Play Arsenal in, uh, <laughs> well, less than a week now. Uh, Sunday, 4 o'clock, kick-off on Sky Sports. Um <laughs> Paul, would you would you take a point right now? Like hundred percent, like any kind of points. A Sam Allardyce boring nil nil on on <laughs> Sunday. To be honest, is the one time I wouldn't mind him coming back. Uh, it's just this is what we've become since Huddersfield. Yeah, it? It's unbelievable. I know, uh, 
it's just Arsenal. I'm old enough to remember actually the last time we won there. I think it was 95, 96, was it? Like Kinchelski well. scored. Yeah, the old Highbury. I think we were all wearing all blue. Like it's just. I said me and my dad on the way home. It's just bad how you you remember the last time we won at these places. I remember Campbell scoring at Anfield. Like the only like recent ones, Oviedo scoring at United, isn't it? We go back these far. When did the when did we last win at Chelsea in the league? I, I can't even remember that. It's just. It was typical Everton to lose against West Ham, and I'm expecting nothing but a loss on Sunday, just because it's just what we do. Yeah. But it, that, that's what I mean about the. We need to change that mentality, don't we? You know, and hopefully Silva, to be fair to him, in, in his previous his previous clubs, he's had a go, hasn't he? Away at big Absolutely, clubs and yeah. big clubs, and hopefully, you know, you never know. The, the, they've won the last three, have they? Arsenal after losing the first well, yeah, two, I mean, but they're they, not playing great, are they? They're not, but they played two of the, you know, the top teams in the Premier League, Chelsea and um, Man City, and he gave them a good go. To be fair, he scored goals against Chelsea, didn't he? Um, and all City, obviously. It's just Manchester City, and I thought it was always going to be be a struggle. But they've uh, they've picked up points now and got more points than us. <laughs> yeah, they're nine, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, it's it's going to be difficult. But I just hope we've got to improve on on that on West Ham, haven't we? Tom, what does what does Silver do now then? Just like like to like intertwine this or combine this with what we've been talking about in the whole podcast. Like who who comes in in the midfield then? Like providing everyone. Well, not everyone's not going to be fit, but you know the Snidling and and, and guy keep the place now as two centre hold midfielders because you know you hear a lot of Everton fans saying jib that off for the home for the for the home games just have one but for for the away games especially against teams like Arsenal it's fine to have those two two hold midfielders so here's me slagging not slagging but saying jib snarling off and we only need one but now I'm kind of saying well we do need two don't we yeah but them two at the moment like they, they look terrible um, the other day so. I wouldn't be surprised if he dropped either of them, but I think they will have to stay here, keep the place. I think the time to introduce that um, system with only one sitting midfielder isn't against the Arsenal away. So, um, unfortunately, I think we will have to stick with those two. Um, hopefully, Bernard will come in now because he, he, he impressed me when he came and he showed some good touches. And I think he could uh, be a game-changer, as Richarlison is. So, um, he could be one of them moments of brilliance. You can actually change a game when we're playing badly. Um, unfortunately, he couldn't yesterday. But um, yeah, I, th- I think he could be one definitely to come in from the start next week. Paul, was it? You know, you've talked about Sigerson being um, more effective, co- you know, deeper, or you'd rather see him, you know, pick, come come back and pick another ball. Would it not be ideal for Snarland to drop out, guys to keep his place, Sigerson to to drop deep, um, Richarlison to go on the left, and Bernard to play behind the striker as you know that player who can maybe pick out a pass and potentially. Give Tolson that one one more chance, um, and if he can't do it, maybe put Richarlison up as the you know the f- the front centre forward. I'm not saying that's what he's going to do. I'd say maybe it, it's obviously an option that that he can do, and it's going to depend on whether Bernard can play a full you know 70, 80 minutes because he's probably not going to be able to. He's not going to be able to play a full ninety, is he? No, no, it, it, that's a shout because as Tom was saying earlier, like Silver seems to. Want to play eventually to attack in midfield? As whether Arsenal's the place to do it, I, I'm not sure. But yeah, it was. It was. As I said, I'm, I am a fan of Sigurdsson. I just felt yesterday he should have. If you're the main kind of man, the playmaker in a team, I just want that person on the ball. Even it, maybe not too deep as like Rooney did. You know, getting him back off the centre back because, as you say, that's what Snidling or guys for. But I just felt yesterday he could have come ten yards deeper and started getting us going if we couldn't get in down the side start you know pinging balls in and around because there was one 
yesterday where he did play for Walcott and I think he was offside, but it was just like that's what we've that's what we need from you. Uh Bernard, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he plays long term because as Tom said then, I thought he was the positive yesterday, yeah. the full backs. Dinier was great going forward, or Dean, sorry if I've got that pronunciation wrong. <laughs> uh I thought he We've was all got it wrong. Pretty, pretty <laughs> exposed, was he at the back? Kenny wasn't great, but he was probably the best of the bad bunch for me. But Bernard, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely try and get a place for him. And he, he'll have gone to places like the Emirates, won't he, with, with Shakhtar in the Champions League, so he shouldn't be overawed. And he, he just looks a bit bit of quality, that kind of... And I think we've still not got it. And like, that may be bad on Sigurdsson. I just don't think we've got that kind of player who, who unlocks the defence. Yeah. All right, Tom, we'll finish on um, predictions. Obviously, it's um, a couple of days away yet, but this is the the only show we're doing this week. Um, so predictions for, for Arsenal. Um, I hate to predict a loss. Like, I won't shout at you. Don't <laughs> <me>. <laughs> I'll say five nil. Oh, no, That's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be honest, again. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be optimistic this week and go for um, a one one. But um, fair enough. Uh, I'm hoping so because I thought last week I, I was maybe too. I, I thought I was too pessimistic at the time, and then we ended up losing three <laughs> one. But um, I'll, I'll try and be some kind of optimism this week and go for a one one. One one, then Paul. I'll lie and say two two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just can't see us winning. Like I can't, I can see only see a defeat. But you know, maybe there'll be a reaction. You know, maybe there'll be a reaction, and then if if Tosin can vanish, there'll be a reaction after Huddersfield. Yeah, you do. But the good thing about Silver's team, and I'm trying to end it a bit positive because I've been quite negative because as we say, we're having a bit of a moan after no. what we watched yesterday. <laughs> it, at least we're creating chances, aren't we? You know, the, I know the Huddersfield game was a bit different, yeah. but I, I do think that was partly because we didn't get going and they was so defensive it's much better isn't it you know we, we still created a lot of chances yesterday had a lot of shots on target a lot of shots at goal and you never know if, if it can click and we can put the ball in the back of that. you never know I, I, I'm just hoping yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go 2-1 to Arsenal to be honest I'm just going to be realistic because I was really positive going into the West Ham game after the international break I just thought you know I'm glad Premier League football's back and I just felt that definitely well there would be a reaction from Huddersfield and it just it just went down south no, ten minutes uh, into the game, didn't they? Um, all right, lads. Um, I really appreciate your your time and, and coming on. Um, remember to subscribe to iTunes and the Acast app by searching Royal Blue. There you'll be able to find the View from a Gallery podcast as well as our new post game um, Everton podcast hosted by um, Paul Wheelock. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, um, you can do so on Twitter hashtag View from a Gallery, or you can get in touch via. Uh, at Ian Kroll one uh, or at Tom Clark 40 or at Paul Wheelock. Um, they are all our Twitter handles. Um, to my guests, Tom and Paul, again, thanks for coming on. I appreciate your time. And uh, for those listening, I appreciate it. Thanks very much. You've been listening to The View from the Gladys Street podcast. 